It's a joy to be able to preach on Senior Adult Day. I may be the most qualified on staff for that position, that, that uh, opportunity, but it's good to be able to do that. I know you've enjoyed the music, and I have as well, especially that first song. The problem with it, I told uh, the earlier congregation as well, that uh, Senior Adult Bible Study is right around the corner from the choir room on Wednesday night. And we've been hearing that uh, uh, ain't no grave going to hold me down for weeks and weeks and weeks. And finally, this uh, Wednesday night, I asked one of the choir members, when y'all going to sing that? And they said, this Sunday. So we got it. So it was great, and I know you enjoyed it. It's a good way to start our restart our celebration of our new schedule and uh, our return to our old schedule and the direction we're headed now. So we're grateful for that. Appreciate the pastor's recognition of uh, senior adults. I'm certainly glad to be one. I had a recent birthday and if I wasn't qualified before, I certainly crossed that threshold now to the next decade and uh, have qualified to be a senior adult and hopefully to lead senior adults as well. I'm grateful for our senior adults and the way they've supported me and accepted me. We had a great first year in 2019, and I don't know what you'd say about last year. You know, we just got through it, but I think we still had a great year. The Lord blessed, and the Lord uh, let us meet needs and, and uh, continue to be together as much as we could, but we're back to that uh, beginning place again now, and we're so uh, thankful for that. Every now and then, somebody asks me, what does it take to be a senior adult? How old do you have to be to be a senior adult at First Baptist Pelham? And there's a lot of ways I could answer that. You can uh, arrive at a certain age and they'll let you pay your dues and join a group. You can arrive at a certain age and they'll give you a discount. Uh, arrive at a certain age and start drawing some benefits. And so there's all sorts of age levels there. But I told the first hour and I'll tell you all as well, if you don't know you're a senior adult, you're not there yet, okay? When you get there, you'll know it, okay? You may have some question, why is this happening to me? And then all of a sudden it's going to dawn on you, I have arrived at that age. So that's, uh, that's probably a good way to tell. But we're grateful for that ministry and that I can be a part of it and for the wonderful people that I'm privileged to work with, not only in senior adult ministry, but the entire church who supports us. And, uh, we work together as one family, one, one uh, group of the body of Christ. Today I'm going to read to you one verse of Scripture. It's going to be on the screen. I'll ask if you would to stand with me. The question has been raised, can you get a whole sermon out of that one verse? And the title of today's message is, Let Every Voice Be Heard. And the question has been raised to me, how are you going to get, let every voice be heard out of that one verse? So hang in there and we'll see if we can get through this time and uh, get something out of this verse. But I think you'll find that we can. Uh, Romans chapter 16 and verse 22, the concluding words of the Apostle Paul. Our pastor has taken us through Romans. But uh, he did not take us to this verse. In fact, he admitted in the first service he'd never preached from this verse or heard a sermon from this verse. So uh, we're all going through something a little bit different, a little bit uh, unique today as well. But follow it there on the screen. I believe it's going to stay on the screen the whole time so you'll just be able to keep looking at it and let it speak to your heart today. I, Tertius, who wrote this epistle, salute you in the Lord. And as you remain standing, let me give you a couple of other verses of Scripture. You say, that's just those little trivial remarks at the end. That's just the closing remarks. That's just a, a man's name and his words to the uh, recipients of the letter in Rome. How is that important? And, of course, uh, the Bible gives us that answer. Uh, the Apostle Paul said that all Scripture 
including 11 words like this, is given by inspiration of God. God breathed upon the Apostle Paul. And in that process, the breath of God directed Tertius, the scribe, the amanuensis, to record this letter. And that scripture is not only breathed by God, which makes it precious and valuable in and of itself, but it's profitable for reproof, for correction, for doctrine, for instruction in righteousness' sake. So there's something in this verse, and I want us to look at it and find it together today. And then the other uh, uh, verse I would remind you of are the words of Jesus when he said, even the jot and the tittle, the smallest uh, aspects of the language, of the written language, will not pass away until every word has been fulfilled. And so even a verse like this has meaning and has a place for us to consider and a benefit for us to gain. So I hope you'll join me in that study today. Be seated as we uh, approach Romans 16, 22. I'll first of all tell you, this man Tertius, this is the only time his name is mentioned anywhere in the Bible. Not only in the New Testament, but anywhere in the Bible. So, a one-time name, and he brings it up himself. This is a first-person statement. We do believe he's Paul's amanuensis or scribe, and so this is the only scribe named or identified in the New Testament. And then uh, this is the only time that we can find any evidence of that the Apostle Paul allowed a scribe to speak their own words, to speak in the first person. Every other person that's named in Paul's writings uh, is third person, or at least second person, where he uh, speaks about them and, and uh, identifies them. But in this case, however it happened, and I don't, don't believe it was by accident, I certainly believe the Holy Spirit was involved, but I also believe that the Apostle Paul allowed it under inspiration of the Holy Spirit for Tertius to speak up and just make this statement to the recipients of the letter in Rome. I, Tertius, who wrote this epistle, salute you in the Lord. We'll walk through those uh, words, 11 words, and see what we can learn from them, but uh, uh, then I want to draw some conclusions uh, from that as we, as we move to the end today. First of all, it's just, it's noteworthy that it is first person and that Tertius not only says it's me, but he says it's I, Tertius. Very boldly, very plainly, uh, courageously, he identifies himself to the recipients of the letter and to us today as well. Uh, the name Tertius was a common name in the culture of that day in the first century, but especially for slaves. So we begin to get the idea that there's possibility that Tertius was a slave at least at some point, sometime uh, in his life. I personally believe by this point he's a free slave, but he has slavery in the background. And then a very interesting thing, if you've studied Latin, and many of us have across the years in some of our schooling, you know the word Tertius uh, translates the, uh, into our English word third. So how do you get the name third? Daddy says to mama, well, this is the third kid you've uh, produced here now, so that's what we're going to call him. He's number three. And it's interesting, if you hadn't noticed it, and I didn't mention this in the earlier service, but in the next verse, fourth is mentioned as a brother. Quartus is mentioned. So Tertius is third, Quartus, Quartus is uh, fourth, and he's described as a brother in that next verse. However, I don't believe, and the sense of the passage is not that they're necessarily physical brothers. They might have been. That would be interesting, wouldn't it, for your children in the household to be number one, two, three, and four. Now, I grew up as the oldest of four boys, and Daddy took pride in calling me his number one son. But what I thought he meant by that and what he meant by that 
was two different things and what my number two, three, and four brothers meant by that and understood by that is not quite the way I took it. But I was number one in my family, but Tertius is number three. Now there's another possibility. He may not have been, uh, this may not have been a family assignment. If he had a slave background, he could have been third on the auction block or third in the assignment or, or the uh, 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 being obtained as a slave in a particular household or family and rather than show them any respect whatsoever they just gave him a number and Tertius becomes third but that's the name he's using for himself here in Holy Scripture so there's something to be said about it I think it's something that he probably overcame if you were number three in the family it's pretty bad to be a middle child but it's if, if the second and third child that number two is the middle but third's you know going on down the line is still beyond the first it's not a real popular place to be uh, in the birth order of a family or in any uh, assignment of a name and a number. But he overcomes whatever setback or challenge that the name third may have given him and is here being used by the Lord under the direction of the Apostle Paul and we're studying him today now more than 2,000 years later. I, Tertius, who wrote and when he says that, obviously, and, and I need to just point out to you here, if you ever want to do some study, you can study this verse and spend hours doing so. There's all kinds of background. There's all kinds of opinion. There's all kinds of debate about the status of Tertius and about who wrote uh, Romans. Some even bring up the point, well, he says he wrote it, so maybe Paul didn't write it. Well, that's almost absurd or ridiculous, and we understand that. But that just gives you an idea of how many people have an opinion and how much time people have to research and to write down their opinions concerning various uh, portions of Scripture. But when he says he wrote it, we fully believe that he's identifying himself as Paul's scribe or amanuensis, and he took the dictation from the Apostle Paul and put it onto the papyrus for it to be prepared to, to be sent to the church at Rome. Possibly he was a scribe for other of Paul's writings. We don't have identification of other of Paul's uh, uh, scribes or assistants so we don't know uh, all the details there but uh, when he says he wrote it I wrote this epistle I'm the one who wrote it uh, he's identifying himself I believe as Paul's scribe and amanuensis the uh, name Tertius also has a Latin background as I've already indicated and Paul was in Corinth writing this letter to the church at Rome uh, Rome a vital city is the capital city of the world of the Roman Empire an influential city, and Paul had never been to the uh, church to establish the church and to teach and uh, strengthen the church in Rome, and he's writing this letter to get some information to them before he can ultimately arrive there. And so this becomes a very uh, important uh, uh, letter for Paul to the Romans, and it could be that Tertius, identifying himself, maybe Paul said, you better tell them who you are, or maybe he said, would you like me to tell them who I am? We don't know how that happened, but somehow, with a Latin name, this information going to the Romans, it may have made a Roman, a Latin connection between Paul and the Romans where they would be more receptive uh, and uh, um, uh, receive more benefit from Paul's uh, writing at this point. Uh, could be that Tertius knew some of these people personally. If not, at least his name rings a note of connection with them. And that makes it, uh, I think, a very important contribution to Paul's ministry to the Romans to whom he had yet to, to meet them or to see them. And then, of course, we can't go beyond this very far without talking a little bit about the next two words. Who wrote this epistle? And I think you can put the emphasis on this. 
Tertius says, I've, get, I've gotten to write. I have been the scribe. I have worked side by side with the Apostle Paul to write this epistle, the Mount Everest of Paul's writings, the magnum opus of Paul's uh, message and, and doctrine and theology, the Magna Carta of the fundamentals of the faith. Uh, I'm the one who wrote this epistle. So I think there's some, uh, not negative pride there, but uh, boldness there on his part and a happiness there on his part that he's been a part of writing this powerful message uh, from the Roman uh, 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 from Paul to the Romans and the Roman message that we benefit so much from our pastor for weeks and months took us through uh, the book of Romans and the key theological themes and the key truths that are there and worked through it chapter by chapter and subject by subject and we've gained a great benefit from it and we understand have great respect for the book of Romans well, Tertius is at the very beginning of the production of that book of Romans. And so I think he's saying, I'm proud to be associated with this message. I believe this message. I want to uh, be a part of helping to share this message with my kinsmen and my fellow countrymen there in Rome. And so he says, I, Tertius, who wrote this epistle. And then he says, I salute you. I don't know if you've ever studied that word. Uh, I try on Wednesday night in our Bible study to challenge our people to study words like bless. How many times do we tell people bless you or God bless you or on and on we use that word or glory and we use them without thinking and knowing what they mean and there is a meaning and there's a reason for them to be used and so I challenge people to dig into the background uh, meaning of many of those words that are so common in scripture, in everyday language, in our music, uh, uh, in, in so many areas of our life but we use the word and don't really understand what it means. Well that's the uh, case with this word salute. How many times have you used that word or seen that word in scripture? First of all, I can tell you it's a synonym uh, for the word greet. Sometimes the word salute is used. Sometimes the word greet is used. Uh, they're the same word in the original language. They both come from a root that has uh, the idea to draw something to yourself. And if you begin to get the idea there, it's a word hug. It's a virtual hug. It's an air hug, if you will. Uh, it's more than just a, a, a cursory greeting or an act of being polite. This is a, a, a statement of saluting with emotion, with compassion, with tenderness, with respect for the audience. I salute you with an air hug. Salute you in the Lord is the next phrase. Well, there's two things I want you to see about that. When you salute someone in the Lord... Uh, first of all, it's a Christian greeting. Uh, it shows that uh, I'm connected to the Lord, you're connected to the Lord, and so as we sing it sometimes, we are one in the bond of love. We're connected to one another. Uh, Tertius is with Paul in Corinth, writing to the church in Rome. He may have known those people, he may not have known those people, but either way, this is a way of saying we're connected. And not only are uh, our, our, our Tertius and you connected, but the one who's writing this whom you've never met. You've heard about him, but you've never met Paul. Uh, he's connected. We're all in the Lord. We've all come to the foot of the cross to accept salvation. We've all confessed that Jesus is Lord. And I'll say more about this along the way, but remember that uh, this is the day in the culture in which uh, Caesar wanted to be called Lord. Nero was the emperor at the time of this writing, as best we know. And persecution was already beginning to be pretty severe and pretty intense. And it would continue with Nero and with further emperors. 
and uh, emperor worship was a, a, a very popular thing or a common thing uh, required by the emperor in that day. And so for Christians to say, no, it's not Caesar, it's not Nero, it's not the man on the throne in Rome, but it's the one who's at the right hand of the Father in heaven, Jesus is Lord. For them to say that is to rebel against the uh, culture of the day and even the legal system of the day and to declare that Jesus Christ is Lord. And so when uh, Tertius does that, he's identifying himself with the Lord Jesus Christ and calling him Lord, which by uh, just p passing by that, he's overlooking or neglecting to declare and making it plain he will not declare that Caesar is Lord. And that leads me to say then, let's talk about the word Lord just a little bit, curios. Uh, in Philippians, Paul would write and talk about Jesus as Lord. God has given him a name above every name, even above Caesar's name, that at the name of Jesus, not at Caesar's name, but at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow and every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. And so that message uh, has been abundantly clear on the lips of the Apostle Paul in the belief of the church and the Christians, it would lead to some of the greatest persecution as a Christian was challenged, either confess that Caesar is Lord or be punished or lose your life, be martyred. And uh, Tertius is willing to do that here and use that term Lord in spite of the fact that it could cost him dearly. It's interesting to notice this is the only time a scribe speaks up for themselves. Paul allows it, the Holy Spirit allows it, and Tertius says, I, Tertius, wrote this epistle, and I salute you Romans who are going to receive this letter in the one who is truly Lord. And by doing that, he's identified himself with the Lord Jesus Christ and with that which would become the enemy of the state uh, in that day. You can think about it this way. Uh, the Apostle Paul begins his letters with his name in the beginning, very plainly identifying he's the one responsible for the message that's contained therein, information there. That was the common way to begin a letter of the New, New Testament era, with your name at the beginning. And then on some of Paul's letters, not necessarily here in Romans, but in other places, he says, not only am I the one who identified myself at the beginning with this message, but here at the end, I'm going to write my name myself. I'm not going to depend on my scribe. I want to sign my own name and identify myself as the source of this information that's going forth. Therefore, putting Paul in the position to be identified by government officials who wanted to persecute uh, one who would not acknowledge Caesar as Lord and put him on the number one list for uh, punishment and ultimately for uh, execution. Well, then Paul names a lot of other people in this letter, over two dozen, and in uh, other writings, you add them all up, over 50 people over the course of 13 letters that Paul wrote uh, uh, Paul names other people. Well, at least you could say or they could say, well, maybe we're not quite as apt to be on the hit list of the government or be uh, investigated by the government because we didn't name ourselves. Paul named himself, but he just named us. That's a third person or maybe a second person reference, but not a first person reference. So maybe we can avoid this or maybe they'll just pursue Paul and they'll leave us alone. Then here comes Tertius. He says, no, Paul, you're not going to name me in the third person. You're not going to just identify me as a partner of yours, a, 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 a companion of yours, a servant with you. Uh, you're not even going to name me as your scribe in the third person. I want the privilege of saying it's me, it's I, it's Tertius, and I wrote this epistle. Uh, 
saying to himself, I agree with everything that Paul uh, has been inspired to say and everything that Paul communicates. I identify with him. Whatever happens to Paul, let it happen to me as well. Today, as we uh, kind of try to draw this theme together, let every voice be heard. Tertius is letting his voice be heard in a powerful way and in a way that could put him in extreme danger and extreme jeopardy at some point in the day in which he was living. So there's our verse. I bet you didn't memorize it in vacation Bible school or Sunday school, did you? You didn't get a star for that verse for memorizing it years ago. I didn't either. But it's an important verse. Our pastor mentioned in the earlier service that he had not heard a sermon on this verse. And I'll throw out a name that you or nobody else here probably would remember, unless it's some of our very senior saints. But there was a professor at Fort Worth Seminary uh, uh, years ago, Dr. Hubert Drumright, a New Testament professor and a theology professor. And I heard him teach the book of Romans, and then I heard him give a sermon at the end of the book of Romans on this verse. So I have heard a sermon on it, uh, and that's kind of what gave me the uh, inspiration and the recognition how important this verse is. One verse in all of Scripture where a nobody with a seemingly menial and meaningless task stands up and calls his own name in spite of what could happen to him for it and saying, I love you fellow Christians in Rome. I salute you. I want to air hug you. And I do it in the name of the Lord, the Lord, not Caesar, but the Lord Jesus Christ. That's a bold and a powerful and a very significant statement. As I indicated earlier, you can take the, uh, uh, this verse and do a lot of study in it, a lot of background. You'll be amazed at how many articles, how many opinions, how many conflicts, how many debates there are just over these 11 words. Uh, I'm not going to take the time to do that today. Let me just summarize from my study what I believe to be true about Tertius. It's obvious to me he's born again, and I think you'll agree with me on that. He's a born-again believer. I don't think he's a slave at this time. I think he's a former slave. How he came out of slavery, we do not know. Uh, I do not know, but he's a, a former slave, but has that slave background. And he's also, I believe, a senior adult. That would be appropriate on this day. I didn't necessarily pick this verse or this message, but in doing my study, you can go back and find uh, in history, not in scripture, but in history, the first mention of a Tertius and follow his uh, activities, perhaps even from the time of Jesus, all the way through this to the uh, mid-60s with the Apostle Paul and all the way down to what they believe he was uh, responsible for, the leadership positions he had, the activities he was engaged in uh, later on in the first century. He's got to be 60 years old uh, or very close to it. And uh, how old do you have to be to be a senior adult? Well, you're getting close when you get to be 60. Let's just leave it at that. So I think he's a senior adult as well who had a voice. And at the opportunity given to him, he let his voice be heard. One time in Scripture, but there it is. But the one time that could have cost him his life, he, and it did cost him his life ultimately because uh, we know in, uh, church history tells us that he was a martyr himself. So born again, former slave, senior adult, third in his family for whatever repercussions that may have had uh, for him. Uh, and it, perhaps, again, it wasn't his family who named him third, but may have been a slave order or some kind of a, uh, experience as a slave, but he continues to bear that name and bear it unashamedly, and I want you to notice that. He's obviously trusted by Paul. He obviously loved the Lord. He's untiring in his work ethic. Some 7,000 words are included in the epistle to the Romans, and how many uh, hours, days, weeks, maybe even months 
did Tertius and the Apostle Paul labor to get the book of Romans uh, completed and uh, in uh, a condition, position to be sent on to the church at Rome. And so he had an untiring work ethic. I see him as outspoken in his faith. He's compassionate to fellow believers because he wants to get this message to the church at Rome. He wants to help them accept it and identify with it because he, as one of their at least kinsmen, someone with a name familiar to them, uh, is identifying with it and saying, I'm the one that wrote it down. I was right here when God gave it all to the Apostle Paul. He's compassionate to those fellow believers. He's ready to share the message of the Lord Jesus Christ as an evangelist. You may not see an evangelistic message here in uh, uh, these 11 words, but I think you can find an evangelistic spirit. He's ready to stand up for the Lord and speak for the Lord and doesn't hesitate to do so. But I think more than the evangelistic spirit is his desire here to be a disciple maker for those that are in Rome. The epistle to the Romans, Paul wrote to them. He'd never been there, had never had an opportunity to help uh, deepen their faith, to strengthen their foundation, to examine uh, all that they uh, confessed. And so he's written the book of Romans to make it abundantly clear what's the gospel? What's the truth concerning Jesus Christ? What's the truth about sinners and humanity uh, and judgment and condemnation? And what's the truth about redemption and forgiveness and no condemnation? He went through that uh, whole uh, beautiful message that we've studied in the book of Romans and uh, made it abundantly clear the truth concerning the gospel. And he wanted to get that to the Romans to be sure they had the right facts, the right truth, and were basing their faith and their service for the Lord uh, on the right message. And Tertius wants to be a part of that process. I wrote it down. I took all 7,000 plus of those words and penned them. And I want to salute you and let you know when this letter gets to you, I'm as much a part of it. Uh, as was the Apostle Paul in the production of this message. So he's not only eager to see people saved, but he's also eager to see Christians grow and to be a disciple maker. Let me give you just several different conclusions that I come to at the end of done, doing the research and uh, determining what I can and what I've shared with you today about Tertius. Let me just give you a few uh, conclusions. And again, under the theme, let your voice be heard. Let every voice be heard. Your voice may be a speaking voice. It may be a writing voice. It may be a singing voice. It may be a voice assigned to a task that no one else can do or no one else is willing to do, but you do it. And let your voice be heard clearly. Let your voice be heard in such a way that it uh, is uh, complete and you fulfill the task. Let your voice be heard in such a way that it touches people's lives and make a difference in their lives. And that's what Tertius uh, does, as I find him doing here in these uh, few words that we've looked at. Let your voice be heard, even though your name may never be in lights. And that's the truth concerning Tertius. His name gets mentioned one time in the entire Bible. And one place in history, basically, is the only place you'll find the identification of this one, one lifetime. Never in the spotlight, never in lights, and yet he's willing to let his voice be heard. Let your voice be heard even though your job may be long and arduous and tedious and maybe even thankless. I just imagine, as much as we admire the Apostle Paul and are thankful for his ministry to us, you can pick up enough about him in his writings and in the story that we have in the New Testament concerning Saul who became Paul. He may not have been the easiest person to be around. He may not have been the easiest person to work with. Tertius stayed by that task for all the time that it took to get the book of Romans complete. 
So let your voice be heard even when the job's not easy and it may be thankless. Let your voice be heard even though your past, people from your past, or others around you may want to diminish or little you, like calling you a number, just giving you a statistic for a name and no personality, no affection to that, just a number. Tertius had to overcome that, and he did. It did not let him stop from proclaiming the truth of the Lord and being a part of that process. Do not let your past or others keep you from letting your voice be heard. Let your voice be heard even though the world may ignore you, criticize you, reject you, and even want to silence your voice, which they ultimately did for Paul and ultimately did for Tertius. But let your voice be heard as long as there's a breath, as long as there's an opportunity. Let your voice be heard. Let your voice be heard even though it may cost you your life. Let your voice be heard because others need to see something in you. Others need to hear something from you. Others need to know something is true because of you. Let your voice as a child of God be heard because of the needs of others. But ultimately, your voice for the Lord should be heard because the Lord Jesus Christ is worthy and our work for him is worthwhile and he is trustworthy. And so whatever we do for the Lord is not in vain. Let your voice be heard because of who we do it for. Tertius had a connection in wanting to serve the people in Rome, but he didn't do it for just for them. Tertius wanted to be a faithful employee or a faithful companion of the Apostle Paul, but he didn't do it just for him. It's obvious to me in these 11 words, not only do I salute you in the Lord, but I love the Lord and I proclaim the Lord and I'm serving the Lord that I love who's freed me, perhaps from slavery, but certainly freed me from my sin and from the handicaps of my past who set me free. And I share his message because he's worthy. And so that's true for each one of us today as well. Let your voice be heard, whether it's in song or word or writing or action, deed, whatever it is, let every voice be heard for the Lord Jesus Christ. But before we can have a voice for the Lord, we need to hear the Lord's voice to us. And I close just with these words. The words of Jesus to every one of us in this room, every one of us uh, uh, on the live stream today, wherever and whenever you may be receiving this message, the Lord Jesus says to you, come follow me. He goes further in another place and says, no, just follow me, but come unto me. Especially all ye that labor and are heavy laden and I will give you rest. Still later in the last book of the Bible, Jesus is heard to say to an individual person, maybe you today, Behold, I stand at the door of your life, of your heart, and I knock. There's no latch. There's no handle on the outside. I can't force my way in. I won't force my way in. But you can open it from the inside. And so I stand at the door and knock. If you will open the door, I will come in and be with you and spend my life with you. And then the very last book of the Bible says, If anyone is thirsty, let him come and drink of the water of life freely. Whosoever will, let him come. A voice to be heard for the Lord begins with hearing the Lord's call to you to come to him, to come to salvation, to come to submit to his lordship, and then to find the place where the Lord has for you to express your voice as Tertius did. And I invite you to do that today. In just a moment, our musicians are going to come. 
Uh, we're going to stand here at the front to receive you if you need our counsel or our help in any way. The altar is open. If you're watching by live stream, I certainly uh, uh, invite you today to watch all the way to the end of the live stream, and there you're going to hear an invitation and have an opportunity for an email address so you can respond to our pastor and to our church, and we can uh, help you minister to those spiritual needs that you have. But if you're in, here in this room, if you need to come forward today while we're singing in just a moment, then we invite you to do that. If you need to come and kneel at this altar and just deal with the Lord uh, concerning some things in your life, then we invite you to do that as well. I would invite you to stand with me, please, if you would. I'm going to lead us in prayer, and then our musicians will begin to lead us in our time of invitation. Heavenly Father, it's good to gather here in your house today. We thank you for the spirit of this place and the opportunity for fellowship and worship. We're most thankful, Lord, for your word and for the testimony of a man named Tertius who had a voice and who expressed that voice in the name and in favor of the Lord Jesus Christ. Lord, help every one of us in this room today to take that challenge and let our voice be heard and help those who are here today in need of a Savior, in need of the Lordship of Christ in their life, to feel that tug to hear that voice and to respond in these next few moments. In Jesus' name I pray, amen.